Hi, this is Chris Heineken, CEO of Atrium, bringing you interviews with a diverse mix of industry and technology leaders. With our Inside Track interview series, we invite different thought leaders to discuss their expertise around modernizing technical platforms and being more data-driven, especially in an age where corporate winners and losers are defined by customer experience. Joining me today is uh, Susan Emerson, who leads the go-to-market for Salesforce Einstein and has a deep knowledge of the analytics and AI space. And uh, Susan, before we get going, I just wanted to say a quick thank you um, for being such a tremendous advisor to us. And uh, you're an advisor to many in the ecosystem as well and for placing your trust in us as we got going in 2018. So it's been great working with you. And uh, I know you like to cut to the chase, so let's do it. Let's get some of your thoughts. And uh, first question for you is, um, how has the mindset around systems of intelligence changed over the last several months? Maybe take us a little bit through pre-COVID, post-COVID. What's the market doing from your perspective? Yeah, so first of all, it's my pleasure to speak with you today and, and always to be a supporter of the work that you guys are doing within the Salesforce ecosystem. It, it's great. Uh, second of all, thank you for acknowledging my New Yorker tendencies in terms of cutting uh -huh. through the taste. Um, and now in, in terms of like answering your specific question, uh, I would say like what I, in, in terms of the question, like what do I see in terms of the mindset, in terms of the activity, I'd, I'd boil it down to, you know, maybe maybe three different categories of things that I'm seeing, and this is at a high level. And one, um, I mean, every industry and every company and every workforce is affected, I mean, albeit in different ways. Um, but that's translated to, uh, I mean, I've never seen this space as busy or as active as it is right now. And then I'll talk about, you know, areas where we see this acceleration. Um, so never been busier, uh, accelerated conversations around this. Uh, the second thing I would see, I, I, I've seen uh, recently is that with everyone um, around the world with this work at home paradigm, there's the, 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 the lessening of travel of everyone in the workforce has created this new space for the following. I've seen this huge uptick in the ability to reach and work with business stakeholders. Now, very specifically, this is translated into um, very um, orchestrated meetings between analytics and AI development teams engaging their stakeholders to co-create a future in really powerful ways in terms of setting the next chapter for, for their, their roadmaps. So that's been really fun in terms of that new collaboration uh, and co-creation with the, the business stakeholders. And then the third thing is just what I would say uh, a continuum of the theme that I label um, analytics is really not the protagonist of the story. And, and what I mean by that is when you have the work sur for su surfaces Salesforce um, to, to provide a scaffolding of analytics and AI insights, like we've been on this business journey for uh, you know a couple years now to have people reimagine how they think about analytics. Like analytics have always been the, you know, very right brain, very analytical, let's do lots of tables, let's do lots of math, let's cram every bit of visuals we can on the screen to kind of a new restraint and a new paradigm where we use that work surface as Salesforce to bring the insights to the users in very powerful ways that are always anchored 
to business outcomes and behaviors and actions. And I, you know, this is something we've been beating the drum for a while. And um, it's like people are finding fire for the first time. Like it is really starting to catch on like a wildfire, I guess, continue with that metaphor. Yeah. Well, that takes me back to a few years ago. It was, uh, it was all about, you know, the use cases around analytics and AI. Everybody was kind of struggling with it was, AI was talked about in these conceptual levels. How do I make it operational for myself and consumable, something that I can act on? You talked about that. Um, what are some of the, I guess, common use cases that you're seeing across the ecosystem now around analytics and predictions? Anything that jump out to you across horizontal business problems or specific verticals? Your thoughts there? Yeah, so I would say like maybe just starting with the um, just the AI component because you mentioned that this is starting to take off now in terms of you know out of the lab and out of the theory and into into practice. Um, you know what I would say um, at least for for us is that um, AI is the you know the machine learning predictions are um, intentionally staying close to the CRM. You know back to that comment I made earlier. You know the CRMs are typically places where people and processes are surrounding the customer. And so the, the AI use cases follow that in terms of, you know, things that, things that, you know, make sense in the context of CRM. So if you're talking to, um, you know, marketing teams or teams that are like on the, the, the forefront of, of securing new business, it's a lot of things around prioritizing leads and in campaigns and different ways to engage. And then when you're in a, uh, and the use cases vary a little bit between B2B and B2C style things, but there's always some sort of prediction along the way to help people and just kind of to abstract it up. It's like, who do I call on? In what order? And when I get there, what do I say or do to try to drive this thing to the best outcome for us and for the customer? So it's those kind of use cases very close to the CRM and very much focused around um, use cases of immediacy and priority, right? That those types of things in terms of organizing large field and, um, and service teams. Yeah, it's been interesting for us to watch, Susan, as we see kind of the notion of analytics, artificial intelligence, um, you know, those are kind of, uh, those are edgy topics. People don't know what they mean in many times. And so a lot of our messaging and education, the market over the last uh, several months has been, how do you connect those topics with broader business themes? Yeah. So just adding to what you said, I think, you know, what we're seeing as far as the high traffic use cases, a lot around anything related to like customer churn and retention, Yep. Um, intelligent, predictive forecasting, lead acquisition. So all of those ones were ones that you're hitting on. And I think we're really excited to uh, go deeper in each of those areas, as well as uh, add a few new ones to the mix here in the coming years. So yeah. yeah, in terms of like the areas that we see, like, as I mentioned earlier, you know, everyone's business has been, you know, affected in different ways. Um, where we're seeing acceleration and focus um, in, in, in some areas that are just white hot, like in terms of um, the you know, the re-terraforming of the earth is people are all working from home and, and you know, considering, you know, moving from cities or, uh, or, or things like that. This has just put the, the, the mortgage business um, really at pace. And so we see a lot of focus there in terms of, you know, lead scoring and priority scoring. These are things with short shelf life. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big area where we see a lot of things um, going on. Uh, the second thing I would say is in the, 
the more sort of just classic B2B areas, opportunity scoring, and really, really from a twofold perspective. Uh, one is to give the team on the ground uh, focus on what are the right opportunities to progress, why are they not progressing? And then also, like I was on a call with a customer today in Europe that it, it wasn't always about uh, progressing opportunities, but sometimes it's it's a cost a cost takeout model in terms of these ones below the line we just don't have time for right now because our business is you know is just accelerating in other areas. So there's definitely sort of that sort of thing. And then separately, you know, everyone right now just to, in terms of the volatility of their their business, there's never been a greater need for accurate forecasting. So having these top-down programs where the predictions are not just serving the people who are close to the, the transactions, but also management in terms of looking at the health, the volatility, the yep. you know, the velocity of the pipeline. So from from both perspective, and as you said, churn, um, and then even in some cases, uh, discounting perspectives in terms of you know what are the what are the appropriate discounts to to be you know surrounding a specific transaction or deal. Uh, couldn't agree more on a lot of those use cases you just rolled through. We're seeing a ton of that in the market. It brings up a, a next question for you, which is. Um, a lot of times companies are intimidated by even starting their journey. Um, if you were to say, if you were to kind of be, uh, you could you could wave the wand today and say, I wish all these companies could, uh, could do one thing to remove a roadblock that you consistently see. Yeah. Um, the one roadblock you would focus on? Any advice you'd give there? Well, I mean, I would approach it maybe less in terms of like, I don't think of it in terms of a technical rollback. There's always like technical stacks that organizations deal with. I think the bigger thing is is more of a, of a, of a cultural and a mindset shift. And um, and so some of the things that, that that we see happening or that we see resonating with, with customers is that one is to reimagine their analytics footprint, right? As I mentioned earlier, um, you know, historically, analytics has a wrap of being the thing that you do, you use to run your weekly meeting or your quarterly meeting, your monthly meeting, like for sure that there is a place for that, that sort of table stakes for analytics. But um, increasingly, people are seeing like we've, we've, we've coined it like the intelligent experience. Like, how do we use these same tools, not just to run meetings, but to help drive decision-making and behavior at scale across really large organizations. So having organizations recognize that that's, that's the opportunity. It's not creating better dashboards with more chart types and better numbers and fonts. It's how do you use these things to effectively adjust a really big organization and, cult and, and, and align them to the strategic missions of, of the company and to the needs of the customer in the marketplace. So that's sort of one thing, just like changing the mindset of how, how analytics can be deployed. And then secondly, we see sort of, um, uh, we do a lot of work around, you know, culture and decision-making in terms of how to help organizations make that shift to what we would call democratizing decision-making, right? And there's a lot of things that need to be in place, you know, for those conditions of innovation. And, and some of them are, are technical, like you, you probably want to lean tech stack because you want to be able to go fast and you don't want to be spending all your time gluing things together and then re-gluing them together when you switch out some parts. So like lean tech stack is, is one of these things. Um, another thing is, is velocity 
is now a really new competitive differentiator, like speed and relevance really matter, especially, you know, with COVID. And so, you know, so, and, and this, you know, this does dovetail into some of the things that we, the way we iterate and build our AI use cases, but, you know, velocity around that machine learning stuff is really important. It can't be a project that's going to take nine months. No one has the bandwidth to wait nine months for these things. And then secondly, in terms of that AI stuff, machines, like they accelerate us, you know, there's been, you know, there's a lot of that racings with machine stuff and, you know, are, you know, are, are they taking our jobs? No, they, they help us decide what to do when and what order. So, and um, Steve Schwartz, uh, you know, a futurist and an SVP at Salesforce, he has a quote that I love where he says, Oh, it goes something like this. Um, I'm more worried about being replaced by a salesperson with that AI machine than the mm. AI machine itself. Like, so how can how can this machine learning and this AI accelerate us? And then of course, whenever you're you're talking about you know anything with machine learning, it's the appropriate use of data and the ethical policies um, that that go with them. So we do a lot of work in terms of like if we're going to really democratize decision making and bring insights to users you know, down the organization to the closest point that's interacting with the customer, what has to be in place to get that right. So those are those are sort of the things that that we see. It's that democratization framework, it sounds like it's a yeah. really big deal. I mean, we see similar things where um, it's not just about the pretty dashboard. You mentioned that it's, you know, it's yeah. not just about the inside. It's what are you going to do with it? Can you take what you have as an insight and actually thread that into the workflow and have action yeah. around it. So yeah. um, very consistent. Yeah. Back to these, like, you know, with the, the stakeholder engagements that I said, we're starting to see a lot of like the, uh, you know, we've developed a lot of tools and protocols to help people. Um, it's really easy for people to shout out a KPI, like my KPI is sales or my KPI is churn. And, um, or my business question is like, what's in the pipeline? Like, so it's, it's pretty easy for people to start there. There is a big gap to get them to this beautiful end state. And it's been really fun running these workshops where, where either we're kind of question storming their business and giving them a framework to think about these things so we can articulate that into a, you know, a delivery plan for them. But then also like even taking a step back with more of these like, business war game simulations in terms of just, you know, really opening up new ways of thinking about how we want the analytics to support these big business initiatives. Um, so it's just been re really fun to do these transformations with, with, with companies. Well, it's been fun to be on the kind of transformation journey with, with you and with Salesforce. I mean, when we got started, we intentionally made a bet in the ecosystem because we believe Salesforce had some real advantages around analytics and AI given the proximity to the business problems around CRM and the user base. So that's been fantastic to watch. As you think about um, Einstein and investment over the next few years and where you think Salesforce should be investing in positioning, um, any thoughts that come to mind as far as where you're gonna be spending time? Well, we've been organized um, around a couple of themes um, very deliberately for the last uh, for the last a little while, and and that's where our investments go. They follow our themes, and so they've been um, roughly around three areas: um, the user experience, data, 
and uh, and then you know intelligence and machine learning, and um, you know we have a very big safe harbor culture, so uh, you know I'll, I'll stay within the framework of that. But on the ex on the like experience um, or the you know the delivery and the consumption of of all of these analytics and machine learning, the the big investments have been really twofold in terms of how do we make things easier for the developers to to build of course you know with every release you know there's there's more new features there there's easier ways to achieve things um whether it's things like data set binding or doing conditional formatting and you know stuff like that and then um the other thing has been around accelerating the innovation and we really have a luxury like uh, at salesforce because you, you in many cases, we'll, we have a, a pretty good understanding of what people are going to do with Salesforce when they crack open the platform. Like they're either, you know, core sales cloud, service cloud, or they might be industry cloud with, you know, with wealth management or retail banking or manufacturing. So we have a huge leg up because we know the data model, we know the use cases, we know the persona, we know the job to be done, we know the workflows that people want to do. And so, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, like, like, and then the customer will have a KPI and a business objective. And then we know all the infrastructure here. We bring to market these out of the box applications and user experiences that really accelerate um, that journey, right? You don't have to build the data model. You don't have to build the data set. We can come to you with some AI templates. So accelerating both great use cases and best practices. So we'll continue to do that across the, the industries that we support. Um, on data, um, you know, our, our data journey has been data scale and data reach in terms of going for more data sources and going for larger, like high performance data, uh, data infrastructure within Salesforce. And then more recently, you know, adding to data scale and data reach has been go to where the data is. Um, and so we've been adding into the product line the ability to, to go direct to data sources, which really opens up um, sort of a, a, a lot of new things for people, whether they couldn't move their data or they just didn't want to, uh, that's opening up a lot of new um, architecture. And then on the, on the AI innovation, it's really been across two fronts. One in terms of, um, you know, the, the specific algorithm types in terms of increasing our footprint there, you know, with the introduction of tree-based models in, in the summer and, and winter releases here. Um, and then also, um, you know, additional tools around uh, enterprise machine learning operations in terms of the care and feeding of your ML models in terms of the scheduled refreshes and looking at model drift and performance over time. And then bringing some of the those AI insights through autonomous um, autonomous insights to the user experience is stuff that we're working on as well. That's a pretty big slate. Uh, a lot to deliver on there, Susan. Impressive. And yeah, well, we had our, um, our our product planning session the other day, and you'll probably have to cut this out the interview. But I felt like, um, like if you've ever had an experience in a museum, like the Prado, or like you know maybe even like Dorsey, where like you know you'll spend a couple of hours and you're just like so overwhelmed by art that you just cry. Like I kind of felt that about like the work that our um, that our PMs and engineers are are doing to build product. It's it's really yeah, it's it's really really compelling stuff. I love the metaphor. Susan, we uh, we really thank you for joining today. And as usual, every time we speak, I learn a ton. So uh, appreciate your perspective here and I uh, look forward to working with you on the balance of the year and beyond. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and you can learn more about Atrium at atrium.ai.